Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Eurogamer podcast. I'm Bertie, your host, and every two weeks I find someone interesting from the world of games to have a proper chat with. Supporters of the Eurogamer website get these episodes first. For a small monthly fee, you can get early access plus all kinds of benefits like ad-free viewing and exclusive articles and more. Head over to the Eurogamer website to find out more or see the description below. Today on the podcast, someone whose voice and face you'll probably immediately recognize, someone who's been doing this kind of thing, hosting and presenting for years You'll know them from the Eurogamer YouTube channel, of course, and you've probably spotted them hosting celebrities on the red carpet at the BAFTA Video Game Awards and other presentation duties. It is our very own Eurogamer celebrity, Aoife Wilson. Oh my gosh, I can never live up to that introduction. Oh no. (laughs) Part of the fun of these podcasts has been introducing people like this and watching their face as you... Just squirm. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for, for coming. Thank you on. for having me. Um, what work have I interrupted today? Oh gosh, um, stuff I can't talk about. Stuff that I'm, you know, that I can talk about, but it'll probably be live long uh, before this podcast goes up. I'm streaming in about an hour's time. Uh, just balancing all that with some freelance stuff that I definitely can't talk about, and it's um, it's all good, you know. <laughs> Makes your, life, a dull moment. makes your life sound so exciting, all this stuff you can't oh, talk Oh, it's absolutely about. not. No, it's just stressful. <laughs> but like, you're busy all the time. Um, we've, it's been a struggle trying to get you on the podcast because you're, you're doing things all the time. And I think this maybe goes against the image sometimes that, that the job projects that, you know, you're just kind of sitting around playing that's games. That's true. That's oh. true. And, you know, and I think that that's kind of, it's kind of an important facet of the job really like when you're on camera you want to be relaxed and you want to be enjoying yourself and I am enjoying myself when I'm on camera absolutely especially on the channel it's always so much fun but um yeah uh it, it I think there's a lot of one of the one of the biggest skills I've had to to really prioritize in my job is um is time management oh god you know? How do you do um, that? What's, this, what's the secret? Lots of spreadsheets, <laughs> lots and lots of spreadsheets and calendars that I have to always check multiple times every day. But, you know, if I'm doing my job correctly, um, that won't ever show because it shouldn't, you know, like mm. it's it, it's it, it's really boring to talk about spreadsheets and calendars. Um, and when I'm when I'm on camera, when I'm, you know, we're having fun on the channel, whether it's a stream or a video. I want to be completely focused on that because that's, you know, I think that's one of the, one of the many reasons we have such a great community on our channel now as well. Yeah. Right. So it's keeping that stuff hidden because you've taken care of it so that you can concentrate on the stuff yeah. at hand, I guess. Which is, yeah, which is something I think that a lot of people, cause you're right. You know, there, there is a kind of a, sometimes a preconception that, you know, video, uh, 
jobs are just about playing games and having fun. And uh, a part of it is that, but there is a lot of management that needs to go on behind the scenes as well. Um, so it is kind of a hidden, a hidden talent of any video producer. And that you don't have people to do this for you. This is very no. much. No, oh gosh, what a luxury. No, everything that happens on the Eurogamer YouTube channel happens because of three people, myself, Ian Hickton and Zoe Delahunty Light, both of whom are incredibly talented and I would be lost without them. Talking of those three people, do these people on my t-shirt look yeah, familiar? I love, it. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh, I love that t-shirt. So I was cool. hoping I, I had the right one. For people who are listening to this only, I have um, the Dungeons and Dragons incarnations yes. of Aoife Zoe um, and Ian here. Um, I wasn't <laughs> sure for a second. And then I saw the Ian one and I was like, hmm. Yeah, no, Ian's a barbarian. Uh, Zoe's like a knight with a sword and a shield. And I am like a, a sorcerer wielding green fire, which is just all I've ever wanted in life. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, a relatively new ish thing to to kind of video games coverage in general is this explosion of dungeons and dragons um, oh, yeah. and these campaigns that people are running i was playing last night in fact oh, uh, we were awesome. battling against count strad or we're having a uh, a first a first battle with him and he wiped the floor with what us what class do you play as can you guess are you a bard <laughs> i am a bard yeah <laughs> How did I know that? <laughs> I'm a bard and I get our group into trouble all the amazing. time. Uh, but I have amazing <laughs> ability scores um, because I seem to have cheated and I, I managed to get myself <laughs> out of it. Um, so is that, has that refreshed um, streaming in some regards? Is that a nice break from video games to, to play? It Dungeons absolutely is. We've struggled a little bit with getting it on the channel. Um, on the Eurogamer channel specifically, because um, we started a, a sort of a session um, called the Break Quest Club with in collaboration with Dicebreaker, and um, the amazing Johnny Chiodini was was DMing for us. Um, <clears throat> but just because of you know, well, the big elephant in the room, COVID, and because of just uh, various other changes uh, in the last couple of years, we've had to sort of put it on the back burner. But we're hoping it can make a return in some shape or form. Um, in the not too distant future. But um, aside from that, yeah, I mean, we, Zoe and I had a great opportunity. Actually, it was one of the last press trips I did before COVID uh, was to go to Luca um, and, you know, get involved uh, with Wizards of the Coast with some D&D stuff that they were launching there. Um, we got to play D&D with Joe Manganiello, which was just like one of those real weird out-of-body experiences that <laughs> happen every so often. But you're right, it does refresh things. And I think it's been really, really nice to see a lot of not just video game outlets, but lots of different outlets just embracing D and D. Um, and you know, that's of course, and thanks to um, places like Critical Role, Ox Venture as well, and um, yeah, and High Rollers and stuff like that in the UK. And I think like it's just shown people that you can, you know, you can have fun and play games with your imagination as a grown up, which I think it's just so freeing. Like, I think that was the real wonderful thing about seeing other people play it online, which was a big catalyst for it being adopted widespread. Um, just seeing how much fun you can have. Like I always say, like, as it might seem intimidating, like comic books are intimidating or even video games are intimidating before you get into it. But once you are a part of a D&D group, I mean, you know, like it's magic. Like you, you never want to not do it again. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and we were all relative first timers as well so as long as you've got 
a dungeon master or a game master mm-hmm. there who can who can help you through. Uh, anyone can play, and I yeah. I recommend anyone does play. It's it's a lot of fun. So, I mentioned in my uh, introduction there, you being our very own uh, celebrity, <laughs> and I was joking, but there's there's some truth in there, and I don't think I'd realised how popular you and other members of the of the team were becoming or had become until I started seeing it at shows like EGX, which are typically shows that we're we're all at together. And there mm. are lines of people queuing up to meet you all. Uh, people giving you these amazing handcrafted gifts yeah. that they've made, like these crocheted dolls. I, I was well gel, to be honest. <laughs> um, when did that start to become a thing? Is there a like a moment in time that you, you remember that happening? I mean, I definitely remember the first meet and greet that we ever did um, just because it was terrifying. I was <laughs> absolutely convinced that we would come out um, to like the area and there'd be nobody there. <laughs> and I still am every time we do one, which obviously hasn't been too much lately, but in the last few years, we've done a few. Every time we walk out, I'm like, there's going to be no, this is going to be the time that nobody shows up. And, and it's always full. And I'm just like blown away by it. It's, but it's really special to us. And, you know, every time we do it, I just feel so lucky because we, like I said, we've built a really great community for the channel. And, you know, we, we see the same people come in every day to watch streams and commenting on videos. And it does feel like it's a really amazing space where, you know, people are feeling supported and included and just, they're just really kind, creative, funny people. And that translates in comments, sure. But seeing and meeting them in real life is something else entirely and it's I still need to pinch myself being like these are really cool people and for some reason they really like what we do I always feel a bit like uh like I hope I'm you know not too disappointing in the flesh kind of thing um but yeah it's it's really really it's a really humbling experience um because getting to meet everyone you know, people tell us their stories and, yeah. and what brought them to the channel. And, you know, maybe maybe we've helped them in some way, um, especially with COVID and stuff going on. We've had a lot of messages saying that. And it's it's just really affirming, you know, like, as we've said before, a lot of people think, well, well all we do is, is play games online. And sometimes you do feel <laughs> that. But then but then you you know you meet people and they tell you that you've that you've made a positive difference in their life. And that's I, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I can accurately describe the feeling that, that that gives you. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's powerful to know that your, your work has had that effect on someone that you've maybe improved someone's life or you've, or you've helped them. I imagine there's also a feeling of responsibility that comes from that as well. And this idea of celebrity in that you know, whether or not you wanted it or asked for it, I suppose, you have now become a kind of public figure. Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with that? It's the responsibility, as you say, is quite heavy sometimes, especially when you are doing meet and greets and people are telling you quite personal, um, sometimes heavy things. And as much as I appreciate that, I want to always make sure that I am responding in the appropriate way, you know, like, because it's like, sometimes you're not really, you don't feel equipped to deal with it. Um, but you, but you just have to try your best and kind of remember that, you know, 
that they have they've told you these things for a reason and just just be as respectful as you possibly can be um and appreciative of that fact but as to the rest of it i mean i just you, you just don't really think of it too much i mean like yeah there there might be certain numbers of followers that are that are quite large online but day to day i'm just sitting in my house with my cat not doing <laughs> anything at all i'm sure if people saw like my day-to-day -day routine they wouldn't be that impressed but i'm kind of disappointed not to see your cat oh he's he's snoozing downstairs I think my my cat's just oh you can't see there's like a little donut oh. bed but it's slightly obscured has has having a closer relationship um, with your community, has that changed the way you work at all? Because I look back on, I think you've been here for, well, here, Eurogamer, you've been working at Eurogamer for eight years now, I think. That's wild. I know. Um, <laughs> tell me about it. And um, things have changed. It's, it's quite different, um, the videos that, that you make now to the, um, the videos you mm -hmm. made when you first started. Has has being closer to the audience changed the way you work? Is it changing the way you work? Definitely, I think. I mean, as you say, when we started the video team years ago, we didn't really have an idea of what we were doing. I mean, we were just making videos and sort of seeing what stuck um, because that's all anyone was doing back then, I think. Um, but the more you grow to build your audience and your community, the more you get a sense of what it is they enjoy about what you do. Because I wouldn't say that we make videos for them. I certainly think about our community when I'm putting videos together, but it's more like remembering why they come to us in the first place. So it's kind of like, you know, we we have a quite a healthy mix of, of chaotic energy, but we also <laughs> try to be, uh, you know, very honest and forthright about our opinions. Um, we also care a lot about, you know, a lot of um, social issues. Like we're, we're extremely LGBTQ plus friendly on the channel. Um, you know, we support Black Lives Matter. We, we support, you know, inclusivity and diversity wherever we can. Um, and you just kind of, well, we hope that that comes through in our work. Um, and also, I mean, on a on a more basic sense, we just know what games they like, you know, what games they don't like. Um, and I think what we've always tried to do as well, and what we're in a very, a very, um, you know, uh, unique um, position is that we don't have to play any games we don't want to. I think that that is a really important cornerstone of, of the content that we make. Um, we don't just make a video because there because a game is really big right now there has to be an angle to at least, at least one of us has to be an advocate for that game um and that makes a huge difference i think you know we're we not that we shy away from from giving honest opinions but i think we try to focus on positivity um you know because nobody wants to watch somebody play a game that they don't like <laughs> it happens from time to time and we're very we're very uh, uh vocal about that fact but um more or less we stick to we stick to the games that we know our community enjoys and i think that that i think that that works for us do you like the way that uh game video making uh has changed over the years because like we say it has you you started with trying different ideas um with different people in the team as well and it's not just that your ideas of what videos can be have changed it's that the platforms themselves mm. have changed and evolved and again it's a, we talked a bit about this at the beginning but the reality versus people's perception of, of making videos it, from what i understand it can be quite brutal <laughs> yeah 
Um, yeah, it absolutely can be brutal. Um, I love how it's changed over the years, actually. Like, I think that it's, um, well, I, you know, YouTube and Twitch, actually, I can't really speak much to Twitch because I don't use it myself, but, um, but I do, I am familiar with a lot of Twitch streamers and, and I'm familiar with the platform and the ecosystem, but I think that YouTube and Twitch are, you know, they're, they're, they're designed so that you can find creators that you share, um, views with you know that the, you're you, you go out and you find content that you agree with it doesn't always work uh with certain topics like it can be it can sort of become a cesspool in a lot of ways but in games um and certainly what we find um it's it's great for creators because you know it helps them find their audience um helps them find you know things that people are interested in um but it's just really great for creativity especially recently i think like people lean into their own personal USPs, you know, whether that's they play games really fast, they play games really well, or like us, they don't play games particularly <laughs> well, but they have a good time while doing it. Um, and there's space for all of those people on on these platforms, um, which is really, really good. But as you say, it can be brutal. Absolutely, it can. Um, weirdly, one of the good things... Well, I say one of the good things, one of the silver linings that came out of us moving away from using the Brighton studio so much and going to our individual working at home setups is that it it made streaming a lot easier for us because we all we didn't have streaming setups, um, you know, individually good to go beforehand, whereas now we do. And that's given us way more flexibility hmm. in terms of the content that we produce, which in turn makes it that little bit easier for three people to make a minimum of seven videos a week, okay. which is a lot. Um, because streams are obviously uh, a little less production heavy, um, whereas, you know, scripted videos take, take a little bit more time. Um, but I mean, I, you know, I, I really enjoy doing both. Both have their pros and cons. Um, but obviously being any kind of um, forward facing person on YouTube can come with a lot of downsides. But that, again, that's why I think that having a, a, as great a community as we have has been um, just a real, a real boon for us because even if, even if a video somehow finds the wrong audience and you get a lot of negative comments, our community are always there um, to, to, lift us up to, to sort of, you know, show their support. And at the end of the day, they're who we're making videos for. Um, so it's really good to have that sort of baseline support. Yeah. Let's rewind a bit here because I want to find out kind of how your path into games, uh, how, how you walked that path really. So let's rewind quite a lot actually, <laughs> uh, back to little Aoife. Um, did, did, did you grow up in Northern Ireland? Did you grow up in England? No, I grew up in Northern Ireland. Yeah, I grew up in, in Derry. Uh, good old Derry. So, um, so we're back in, uh, in Little Aoife's life. Little Aoife's life, sorry. What, what did you want to be when you grew up? What were your dreams of? Uh, okay, well, first of all, I wanted to be a zoologist because I just really loved animals. Wow. And uh, I didn't really know what a zoologist was. I just knew that I didn't, didn't quite want to be a vet. Uh, because, uh, you know, it would just be too upset every time something bad happened. But I understood that zoologists would, would, would just look at animals, and that's what I really wanted to do. Um, but then, you know, then video games found me, and 
I, well, first of all, I, I think um, I know you're into to drama and stuff like that. I used to I used to be quite into it as well, um, which served me well in later life. Um, so I was like thinking I would get into uh, film and TV production, which is what I did at university. Right. Um, but throughout that entire time, um, I've always been into video games. I had an older brother growing up um, who was a good bit older than me, um, who would never let me play his consoles. <laughs> so in an act of retribution, I asked for my own console um, for a birthday once. And and then the rest is history. And um, yeah, I, <clears throat> I started off working in the film and TV industry. Um, I was a runner um, for a few production companies, actually. Um, and then I answered a, an ad about being a, um, a runner for a gaming TV company, which I didn't know could be a thing. You know? <laughs> I, I'd always loved games, but I'd never, for some reason, I'd never considered it a career working with them. Um, it was just a hobby. Um, but once, once, you know, that, that door was open to me and I, I realized it could be a career, then I was like, okay, well... We've, we find our calling. Did you, um, you talked that you, you had an older brother who played games. Um, what games do you remember from back then? Which were the games that, that shaped you, if you like, back then? Well, so my brother had, because um, he was older, um, he had uh, like an old uh, PS1 console and it wasn't exactly above board. He had a lot of uh, <laughs> he had a lot of uh, unmarked discs that you had to like take the top off the console, put a put a legit disc in, set it spinning, and then put another disc in so you could play it. Um, and so I remember I had no idea what any of the games were because they were all unmarked. And um, and then I'd just put in stuff and see what happened. So Tomb Raider, thankfully, was one of those games, okay. and I certainly remember that being uh, formative. Um, and then when I started like, uh, being able to play my own games and stuff, um, a bit later on, obviously, um, I remember playing Final Fantasy VII, which was definitely formative, absolutely, uh, for me. Um, I came to them all a bit later because, well, I just didn't have access to them before. Um, but. Yeah, the, those those games. And then um, World of Warcraft as well, I think. I played that off and on for about six years. Like I don't know if I knew that you played World of Warcraft. Yeah, I was big into it back in the day as a kid. I was like, I, I there had to be interventions. Like, I was playing it way too much. Um, I do sometimes wonder, you know, like every so often the urge takes you and you're like, yeah, but I'm... <laughs> I, I, I miss the idea of the original World of Warcraft. I yeah. don't actually miss playing the game, you know? For sure. I went back to try Classic uh, when it came yeah. out. And it's a, a lot I found with Warcraft is that it's not only the game at a certain time, it's you at a certain time. Exactly that, yeah. So It's, it's a, a time when you had actual time, yeah. nothing but time <laughs> to play stuff. And boy, was it good at filling it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I would be scared to look at the amount of hours that I've racked up on that. Horde or Alliance? Alliance. Oh, I was a night elf. Night elf druid. Sorry for okay. the Alliance. Night elf's not too bad. What do you think about the, the recent news that Horde and Alliance are going to be able to group together soon? I mean, unfortunately, because of uh, the ongoing uh, right. issues with Acti Blizzard, I've kind of 
wash my hands of that a little bit. Um, uh, so I don't think I'll be going back uh, for the foreseeable until they do um, address their their culture there. Um, but yeah, the Horde and Alliance teaming up is something that he, that I don't think anyone <laughs> back in the day thought would be even possible. So that's interesting. So you're working for the, as a runner for this uh, game show. Is this Jinx TV? This was, yes. Jinx TV. This was. So you're working for them, and this is your first sighting, I suppose, of, of the games industry or working in the games mm-hmm. industry. What was it? What was that like? You, you became a presenter, did you, on... I didn't become a presenter straight away. Actually, I became um, I became a scriptwriter, part time scriptwriter first. Then they brought me on full time. Then I became a producer. So I was making shows. And I producer sounds impressive. Bear in mind, this is Jinx TV, and it was not very high, especially not back then. It was not very high tech, um, and uh, it was oh gosh, it was a, <laughs> it was a lot of grinding. The the thing about that back in that those days i don't know how it operates now but it was because it was syndicated in so many different countries everything that you wrote and produced had to be timed to the exact second because it would then be revoiced in in multiple languages Ah. so every script was just partitioned so exactly um i remember yeah we were writing at one point, maybe about five, six scripts a day. Like it was just, it was a, just a, it was a real production line of, um, of content, uh, which isn't to say that there, there wasn't love going into it, but it was certainly, um, it was a very thrifty way of working that, um, <laughs> and it was a, it was a baptism of baptism of fire for sure. Um, but it, you know, actually there, there are some, there were some benefits for me, uh, coming in, to that um and that i got very efficient very fast um and everything else after that seems like total luxury (laughs) but um eventually yeah i um i think being literally the only girl working there they were like you should probably be a presenter or something i was like really okay um they i wasn't i was awful to begin with but um i felt like either i could voice and present my scripts or they'd hire someone else to do it who was not perhaps not a gamer and the choice was pretty simple really um and again starting off in that sort of low low stakes environment was probably probably good as well i got to get all of the really bad presenting habits out of the way early and um just get comfortable doing a lot with not very much um which again to this day still serves me <laughs> as i make videos at home in my uh, in my bedroom <laughs> what are some bad presenting habits i'm probably doing them right now so um well i mean only i can only speak for mine i think everyone it's just, everyone present with presenting it's just the more you do it the better you get but for me it's um you know variable ticks i get my i work myself into it, like um well there's one right there like um but i work myself into uh verbal cul-de-sacs as well like you, you just start talking and with no idea where that sentence is going to end up we're just going to see what's happening um so it's just being more precise with my language i also i have not an issue but i have my accent which is not always um conducive to international audiences right. so i've had to modify that a little bit um and just little things like when I used to present with a stick mic and you're interviewing someone, 
interview with the stick mic on, you know, behind camera so that you're not you're not covering up your face, just open body language, you know, things like that. Um, it's all forgotten now because I've never done, I haven't done any proper like everything's been with this webcam for the time being. But there are there are little things that I've picked up over the years. Good lessons to learn. Good foundations, <laughs> I suppose. So you mentioned then being the only girl that worked at Jinx TV. And of course, you mentioned all the horrible stuff that's been going on with Activision Blizzard. Wherever you look in the games industry, it's an issue uh, because, because it's a, a fundamental issue across the industry. What mm. was it like for you coming into the industry as a woman? It's a crude question, but it's it's a topic uh, that's ongoing. Did you did you feel that sense of other or how was Some, it? Like? Sometimes, although I worked very hard to blend in where I could but also I think that certainly early on in my career there was um a very unhealthy sense of what I what I looked like mattered more than what I said um which isn't is not a good feeling especially when you want to be taken seriously as a you know as someone with something to say you know as a critic or a a journalist or anything you know it was like and I still, you know, you still get it from time to time, but I'm, I, I'm more established now and that people know that I know what I'm talking about. Mm. But every so often, um, you get comments being like, she can't, she's never played a, a From Software game in her life. It's like, bitch, please. <laughs> like, have you seen? It's a, there's, there's literally video evidence of me playing all of them. Or, you know, I've, it's a good thing that there's not, you know, copious amounts of video and written evidence to, you know, to prove the contrary of that. Um, but yeah, I think I think I was I think I was a little defensive of it early on because well, that was just the the environment. I remember, you know, doing so many um, dev interviews where, you know, I'm thinking in my head, right? Okay, you've got to say something early doors that proves that you know, that you've played the game or you know about the game or you know what you're talking about, just so that they don't treat you like some someone who's just hired to to ask questions on camera, you yeah. know. Um, and like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just feel like, yeah, you, you feel like you have more to prove. Cause I remember as well, very clearly being hired with a bunch of other presenters, all of whom are, you know, um, talented in their own ways, but there were male presenters who did not play games, but, and yet their expertise was never called into question, whereas mine's constantly was, um, and the unfairness of that sticks with you for sure. Um, now I'm like, it's water off a duck's back. I'm like, I know that I know that I know my, my stuff. Like, of course I do. Um, but it's hard back then. And I, I'm, I'm so glad to see that, that the industry as a whole is getting more aware and that, um, you know, younger people, um, you know, women and non-binary people, especially getting into the games industry are more supported. Um, and are being given a fair shot as much as anybody else. Yeah. You mentioned working hard and I was reading on your, your website um, and you mentioned that you were working like three jobs at one point. You'd be, you finish writing for one then you'd, you'd start on another, then you'd start on another. Mm -hmm. I hope you're not I... still doing that. 
Uh, no, not to that extent, because thankfully I don't have to, but I, yeah, absolutely. I work, I mean, everyone's done this, I'm sure, just to sort of make ends meet. But back in the day when I knew I wanted to get into this industry, um, as a career and, you know, I just wanted that sort of, that break, I suppose I would be, and even at uni, you know, working job after job after job, you know, working until 4am to get things done for a deadline so that I could then go to regular work um, at, you know, at eight o'clock or nine o'clock. It was exhausting. I can't do that anymore. I don't <laughs> think, I don't think I can physically do that anymore, but um, I certainly don't recommend it. Um, it just felt like at that time it was what I had to do. And I am, I am a workaholic for sure. Um, I find it very hard to relax. Um, and I'm a perfectionist, which doesn't help things either. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, any advice I give to people getting into this industry now, um, which is kind of like, do as I say, don't do, do as I did is do not work for free. I don't think anyone should work for free. Um, even though, you know, I did do it a little bit back then, but, um, I think people seriously undervalue themselves, um, in the industry because it is competitive. Um, and you feel like you need that portfolio, um, to get ahead, but yeah, I, I, I hate seeing people feel like they need to be exploited just to, to make it as it were. Is there any other advice that you would give to people? I, again, something I read on your website was that you hold one of the most coveted jobs in a sense um in in gaming today um it's that it's what a lot of young people look up to i know that my son i don't know if he still thinks this but he definitely wanted to become a streamer i know that's not awesome. you know entirely <laughs> what you do but so i didn't want to just say you know what are your your top tips but is there any other advice kind of along the, the same lines of don't work for free that you would give someone? Because you must be asked this. A lot. Yeah. I mean, I think that like keeping up with regular um, trends is, is definitely important as well. I mean, I say don't work for free, but I do think that you have to have um, if, if, if it's streaming you want to do, for example, don't wait for someone to tell you to do it. I think you should just go and do it. Like um, if you have the means, um, Streaming can be, you know, very easy to set up and do nowadays. You know, you don't need super high-end PCs. You know, OBS is, and I've said this many times, I think it's one of the best free software um, things that you can get. Um, and it's very simple uh, to get a stream set up on that. Um, you know, if you have a mobile phone, if you have, yeah, a laptop or anything that can run um, a streaming uh, app, then having that body of work is is really important for when, you know, a job opening can become available. Um, because for a job opening, especially in video production, it's not, it's not, you don't necessarily need to be top tier editor, you know, absolutely years of experience in Premiere and Final Cut and whatever else. Mostly it's just having a flair. Um, a lot of places are more than happy to train you, as, you know, for entry level stuff. Um, but you've got to show that you, that you have the interest there. And I think, having a small channel where you've, you've, you know, you've got your personality out there where you've shown, um, that initiative is super important. Um, and, um, it's just good practice. Like I said, you know, presenting it, it just gets better the more that you do it. Um, there's some things that you 
that you only it only click once you've done it a certain number of times um so that that to me is really 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 important and the great thing about you know youtube and twitch and everything nowadays is that there is a there's a huge community of people out there you know ready to collaborate to boost to you know help you um it's really wonderful like there's so many people i follow um right now that just they they just lift each other up all the time and it's it's really amazing to see you know when it comes to brand collaborations they're always there like liking and engaging with each other's stuff um because that you know that's showing support um you don't have to do this stuff alone um and i think that yeah just um reaching out um to other people uh can certainly can certainly give you another string to your bow in that sense um also just finding the thing that that is that is uniquely you you know don't set out to try and become the next you know whatever the streamer of of the the moment is be the best version of you what is it that you do that that other people are not currently doing whether that's you know your own unique personality in a stream or you've got like a really good idea for a video series that nobody else has done yet um just don't just try to be an emulation of, of someone you admire try and think about how you can you can be inspired by that sure but how can you twist that and you know make it your own i think is something that you know people should be asking themselves lovely advice do you have any you mentioned other people are out there boosting each other and that's a lovely sense of of community that brings do you have did you have do you have now any heroes any people working in this area that you looked up to that inspire you then or or now still you know when i was coming up in the industry there weren't a lot of women that that i could look up to <laughs> we just yeah. didn't exist but um but i did have the support network and you know my good friends like julia hardy and jane douglas and people like that who you know were of a similar age who um you know were doing similar things and i think we provided that support to one another um you know not to say that we that, that we, we didn't look up to to other perhaps male people and uh, you know of um uh, working in the industry but we it was just hard to to not see women in in the positions that you wanted that you wanted one day wanted to be in um so being kind of in that position now myself i it's kind of it i think that it's my you know sort of privilege and responsibility to be visible to other um you know people coming up and maybe helping them where where i possibly can um whether that's providing advice or just someone to talk to or i don't know yeah i just I, it, the industry it's funny like it's it's only when sitting down and talking about it um in places like this that i realize how much it's actually changed yeah for the better i think in most ways um because yeah it there was just there's just no women working back then it was it was wild so we mentioned that you've been at Eurogamer for, for eight years now and, and that it was quite a different job when you began. You were working alongside uh, different people, people like Johnny and Chris who have gone on to do their own things or different things is probably a better way of put, putting it. Um, do you have any fond memories of your time on Eurogamer over the years? Are there any memories that bubble up to mind? They might be at Eurogamer, they may even be before. Any kind of favorite memories that sometimes maybe you use as a touchstone and go, I oh, know I do love this job. 
I've got so many, like so, so many. Um, you know, all of us meeting Shigeru Miyamoto and him talking about how he created the original Super Mario Brothers, like that was, that was really special. Um, interviewing Jeff Goldblum was a very surreal <laughs> experience. Um, but just, as I said, just doing all the live shows and getting to meet the people that we make content for um, will always stick out as being extra special. Um, but, you know, we've just been so, I've, I just feel so privileged to be able to have uh, done all the things that I have done, like, you know, hosting the BAFTA Games Awards red carpet multiple times is just, it's bucket list stuff, you know? Sometimes I like literally have to pinch myself and be like, why, why, what? why did I end up here? <laughs> it's very weird. Do you still have things on that bucket list uh, related to your job that you, that you want to take off? Oh, gosh. Well, that's a question. I don't know. I guess just, hmm, I feel like I've, I've done, I've done a lot. I think just growing, growing our community even more, um, maybe getting to mentor some more people coming up, um, in the industry would be, would be a real privilege. Um, and no, I don't know, you know, like it's just maybe hopefully getting back into studio one day. That'd be nice. Um, rather than hosting from home all the time but we'll see <laughs> okay so i think that covers quite a lot of the questions i wanted to ask you but i've got a few questions that i ask absolutely everyone at the end so nice the first one of these is your first game what was your first game oh um mm. Maybe, maybe Donkey Kong Country. Okay. I think on my brother's console. Now, is this a, a legit version of Donkey Kong Country? Yes, it was legit. It was, it was like above board. I think their money was paid for that proper. I'm not <laughs> like sure you can, I'm not sure you can get knockoff SNES games anyway. But. No. <laughs> okay. So the second question, what was your last game? What was the last game you played? Oh. I actually can't answer that because it's under NDA. So I'll say the second last game that I've played. Okay. No, wait, can I, say, <laughs> can I say that either? Um, can I? Yeah. When does this go out? Um, not for a few weeks, probably. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, Dying Light 2. Okay. And did you like it? Um, it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a little bit rough around the edges, let's say. Um but, you know, kicking zombies in the face is um is always a good time. It is always a good time. Now here's the hard one. Best game, or maybe more accurately, favorite game. What's your favorite game? Oh, that's gotta be Final Fantasy Seven. Oh, you were straight in there will. with that. Yeah. Well, I mean it's like my Twitter handle Twitter handle namesake, you know. It's um it's just got a special place in my heart always well what is it about the game um i think it's because the f it was the game that when i played it i first realized what games could actually do in terms of storytelling um which is one of the main reasons that i love games so much um i i love a good story and i love um interesting ways uh of telling stories and when i played final fantasy 7 i was like wait what you you can tell complex 
and really endearing stories through games. That's pretty amazing. Yes, I will have more of this, please. <laughs> uh, what a great answer. Um, Aoife, you've been wonderful. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk to me, talk to us uh, collectively. Um, people who are listening or watching, you can, of course, find Aoife's work over on the Eurogamer YouTube, YouTube channel. And um, you'll hear more from us in a couple of weeks. Aoife, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me.